Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi Mark and hi everyone out there. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to start off this morning, Mark, just by just reading you a couple of comments that have come through from our listeners. First one is from Tim and Jean in Madison, Wisconsin. They just wanted you to know how much they enjoy your podcast videos and equine knowledge. They're really seeing improvements with their always alert quarter horse. And Tim's wife and you can see that your advice on centering and being grounded in ourselves is also making a major influence with their horses. They love the way you take time to fill the questions every couple of weeks and thank you for your wonderful website. And another one's come through from Lisa. She says, dear MLH, thanks so much for what you do. She's used the Jeffrey method to educate a horse, but she's finding that your work is staggering. And she's writing to let you know that she uses your training videos to help Rottweilers that need rescuing with great success. And for your information, she says there are many dog trainers quietly watching, listening, learning and applying your techniques. What a legend you are. <laughs> so it's lovely. Thank you so much to both of you for sending those through. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for those nice comments. It's always good to know that um, that, that, that my help is, is getting out and, and helping yeah, all, all, all animals, equine or not. So, so that's great. So the first question we're going to start with today is all about ear pinning. And it's the, there's a couple of questions that have come through from a couple of people. The first one's from Donna. She'd like to know, how do you address ear pinning? Um, if she goes to put a rope halter on, he pins her horse, pins her his ears and turns his head away. Does she wait for him to bring them forward and then continue? Or does she make him move his feet with the flag? Um, there's two approaches you can you can use on that, and uh, the waiting approach is one of them. That 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 would be a little bit like approach and retreat, where you approach, um, you see the first change in the horse, which could be that negative change, and you wait a little till you see a soft change in the horse. As the as you see a soft change, uh, or the horse kind of um, yeah softens a little bit, then you'll step back and reward. So that would be we approach and retreat, and that's that's where you're. Um, being responsible for tipping some of that worries worry out of the horse um so that is you being a good listener and and helping your horse in that respect uh no different than if you approached a a, a new person that you didn't know you'd, you'd sort of respect their bubble you wouldn't just sort of smash in there so respecting a horse's bubble is very important in having a um a, a soft horse and not only a soft horse but a, a horse that also respects our bubble because um you know, because they're sort of cute and fluffy, it's very easy to handle horses, overhandle them until uh, they're in our bubble all the time because um, we haven't listened to their, you know, body language and so they, you know, don't listen to ours sometimes. So that's important, but it's not always... Um, it's it, it, listening is one part of the equation. I think also with horses like that, if they've... If it's, if it's other, other scenarios that have, um, you know, put trouble in the horse, you know, how they were handled and uh, how, how a lot of other things in there, then we also have to um, get them to sometimes make a change. So as we approach the horse and, we, and, and we'll still stop and listen, uh, so you'll still use approach and retreat, you'll stop and listen. So when you see the first sign of um, like a negative thought starting to come in and you notice you've just touched that, the bubble of, of um, you know, I'm not happy with you here and the horse starts to set a hard thought, 
sometimes what I would do in that situation is I would distract the horse. I'd do something like bang my leg, like get your popper on your rope, bang your boot, um, you know, pop a flag. And the horse will get a little shock and it'll, and it'll be a neutral. Your, your body language is completely neutral. You're not pushing energy on the horse. You're not doing anything. It's just a uh, merely a distraction. And, and the horse will have a change and sort of look around a little bit. And then you step back and reward. So you approach again when you see a hard thought uh, starting to build. Then you just sort of pop, pop, do something. Uh, as I say, pop your leg, um, distract your horse. And then you see a soft thought. Uh, then you'll see a bit of a curious thought or a little bit of a nervous thought come in, but you step back because it's um, changed from a sort of a hard, I don't want you coming or I'm blocking you out. Um, so as you said in the question, the horse sometimes, you know, would actually get get pinny-eared and then look away. So that's drawing the horse's thoughts back towards you and then stepping back and rewarding. So you're trying to get the horse back in the conversation. And and then if the horse, you'll sometimes you'll see him have a big yawn and lick in a two because as they're sort of having that hard thought, they're setting setting a brace um, and then, and then you'll sort of, you know, you get a few soft changes as you approach, but don't even put the holder on, just, just walk away and wait a bit and then go back again and do it a few times until the horse is very soft and thinking towards you when, when you put the holder on. So yeah, um, approach and retreat, um, but also integrating uh, a bit of let go of that thought, bring your thoughts towards me when the horse starts to block you out or you, you first see that hard thought starting to, starting to sort of get in your horse. Okay, we're going to continue this one with Haley's question for you, Mark. So um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, on her scenario too. So she's new to her videos, but is completely hooked, loving them so far. She can see so many different changes in her horses, um, but she's been, she has an unhandled filly. The first week or so she could um, get a halted, but she was using this old method that she was using, moving their feet, sending them away around you. All done in a very calm way, no chasing, but yes, direction with the flag or rope, lots of approach in the retreat, as she could cope with. They could get it done, but she could tell it was confusing her, and quite frankly, she felt confused as well because she didn't want to send a horse away, knew that that was mixed signals. So, very glad she found you, and of course, that's what we're there for, to offer an alternative way. Um, so, welcome, Hayley. Anyway, to continue, Hayley says that now when she approaches her with the halter, um, she can sort of rub it up under her neck to take the halter up and over the opposite side, but that ear pinning uh, is still there and uh, all she moves away. It's not a hard no, but it's still a no. So Haley's waiting on her for her expression to change, which is what you just mentioned, and then backs off and asks again. But that seems to be the limit that she can go to. So she can approach, rub on her, but as soon as her attention goes to actually halter and actually put it on, then there's a problem. So she says, what am I missing? Are there any videos on this? Um, and um, is, is there anything else that perhaps you should be, should be doing? Um, what, 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 you, what you'll be undoing, uh, over time you'll undo some of the stuff that you've done, especially the, 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 you know, the driving pressure and moving our energy into our horses quite a lot can set a, set a bad seed. So a lot of times the horses are preparing for what's going to happen next. Uh, when, when what happens next gets better and better, um, then the horse won't be anticipating what's happening next. So that's that's always part of the um, the fixing process is fixing number two. Num sometimes number one fixes itself a bit. Um, so that's the anticipation. But uh, like anything, sometimes like people, horses get in a habit. They go, oh, here comes again, hard thought every time you approach with the halter to put the halter on or that haltering process is happening. So... Um, 
they can still feel good about the next part of the process. For some horses, it's just like every time I get out of bed, I get anxious because I don't know why the day's starting. And the days get better and better, but sometimes you still get a bit anxious until one day you realise you don't have to. And with horses, sometimes uh, those things are improving in number two and number three uh, along the way. Uh, there's still a hard, you know, thought in girthing, putting a holder on, stuff like that. So probably the same same answer as the first question. You, you've been using approach and retreat, which, which will work, but at the same time, it's not drawing your horse out. So um, you, I, I think sometimes you need to create a little bit of, um, of, a, of, a, of a pressure in the air that the horse responds to. Now, because the horse has probably responded in a negative way to pressure, it sees pressure as a negative thing. Um, so it's always had to move away or escape from that pressure. But if you create a bit of a pressure like a distraction through the flag or something when you see that hard thought and you'll break that horse's thought a little bit and then you'll step back and draw the horse's thoughts back towards you um, and, 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 you, and, and then as you approach, you just distract that hard thought again. And then you might even just touch the horse with the holder and walk away, do something else, and then come back again. And every time you go to approach and get close to putting that holder on, um, you draw the horse into the conversation of the halter. As soon as it engages with you and the halter, walk away, come back again. And, and just, just show that engaging is a good thing. And then when you finally knot the holder, unknot it, take it off, and then walk away and come back. And, um, and, and also, before you put the nose in the holder, I think it's really important with the hard horses, the ones that have got hardened at the processes, when you put a, a lead rope from uh, around their wither, I start at the wither and I work up, uh, I'd lead them and, 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 and do some yielding exercises, even if you just do some yielding exercises in your hands to break that freeze in the horse. Because the other thing horses, you know, if you've done a bit of sort of the old school sensitising and desensitising, which is, the horse stands still when you're desensitizing and then it's moving your feet away from pressure. Well, when they stand still, they set into a hard sort of negative mindset. So um, don't think, don't don't allow the horse to think that um, that holdering is a standing still process. If it's if it's used to have to stand still, knowing that I don't like what's happening, I'll just put all my expression in my face. So so what I would do is move your horse a little bit, put your arms around its neck, move it towards you, get get rid of the brace in it so it's moving a little bit, put the rope around its neck, move it a little bit, move it backwards, bring it to you, even push it away a little, like just, just generally yielding exercises, not pushing away as in going away, just getting it to sort of move off the feel of pressure just a little bit off your just hands. Just balancing these front legs. Yeah, just balancing and make sure you've seen all four feet move just softly, not not. You know, it's just it's just yielding to the feel of the rope or your hand or something, and even put your hand round round their jaw and just get them to move back off a step and just get them supple and limber like you do a little leading lesson. And and as you're doing a little leading lesson, you just slip the holder on, continue it a little bit with the holder, and then take it off. So so most horses I've had really good success with is, is the ones that are frozen, as I just unfreeze them, unfreezing their feet unfreezes their mind a bit, and they start to see things in a different light, and then you can sort of you know grow from there. Wow, that's another great saying, Mark, I'm freezing their feet, and freezes their mind. Okay, so we're going to go on to the next question, which is also going to just bring up this sort of um, idea of how we move from, from one training method to another. This is from Angelica. So she's got a new horse that when she first purchased seemed quite calm and easy. Now, six weeks later, she has a sensitive, anxious and spoops all the time horse. Now, the lady that had the horse before was using a very well-known 
sort of method of horsemanship um, from a trainer um, who's, who's quite recognized globally. So um, without mentioning any names, um, Mark knows who I'm talking about. Um, so he knows sort of the perspective that we're coming from here. Now she's with um, Angelica, so she's got this sort of different, tall, snurvy and highly strung. She's given her some time off groundwork and, and riding just to build that friendship up, friendship up with her uh, in the paddock. But she's asking, is there hope for her to restart her gently so that she can go back into bush riding, which is what she really wants to do? There's always hope. I wouldn't be still here doing this if there wasn't hope. Once upon a time, you know, I nearly threw in the towel. I got, got too much, all the troubled horses I was working and things like that. And I thought I just said to Jenny one day, let's just go back and do something else. It's too stressful. It's too, 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 too much. Um, and, and, you know, that was going to take me out of horses, I suppose. That was years ago. You know, it's just taking on lots of tough horses and different things and dealing with people and horses. And so, um, but at the end of the day, I believe there was always hope. So there's always hope. And, uh, and every horse I took, I took with that. Uh, idea that I, I think I think I can help this horse and I'll do the best I can, and um, and and then you know over the years of, of having that philosophy, um, you know I managed to to learn to help horses that maybe I couldn't have helped once upon a time. Um, so you know yours may not fit into the um, extreme category; it might still be in the the um, cream puff category, which still might be looks hard, but um, is is probably easier than than, than it is. Um, it just may have been hardened by the education that it had. Now, just going on to that style of education, um, that, that style of training is, is an obedience-based style of training. So it's basically, um, you know, a lot of drive, a lot of draw, drive, draw, and desensitising. Um, You're being very dominant, aren't you? You become very dominant on the horses. So, so basically the horses become quite passive around that dominant trainer in the sense of, you know, um, if they make a mistake, they're going to be worked because it's always like the whole philosophy in, in that style of training is um, if the horse is um, fidgety or nervous or anxious, you make them move their feet or, you, or you, you know, you, you, you're working them and then you rest them. And it's all about choosing where you work and rest sort of thing, I suppose. And so, so if the horse is anxious at a mounting block, instead of sort of addressing why it's anxious, you know, you go and move its feet. So then the horse goes, oh, well, the place without pressure is the mounting block. So I'm going to stand at the mounting block and I might even shut down and be nervous at the mounting block, but it's sure better than getting worked out there or lunged around. So that causes a sort of suppression in the horse's mind and um, they do become very suppressive and very good for when you sort of, you know, it's, it's sort of not a bad, no, no. So I'm not trying to sort of say it's good for the horse at all, but for a trainer to train in that sort of method, if you were sort of getting young horses and you really made them subdued they'd kind of look okay in the arena and sort of fairly subdued and obedient but as soon as they go out into a normal environment where they get ridden once or twice a week and three times a week maybe if they're lucky and the person's a lot softer they listen to the horse more and they're trying to connect with the horse so more. the pressure's come off in a sense the pressure comes off the horse now because the pressure was like a suppressed uh um the horse is feeling suppressed what's happening is all that's starting to come out um, so that's why horsemanship is a constant conversation that you're addressing the anxiety in front of you and you're getting the horse to tip out that worry and still be connected and um, feel good around you. And pressure is a pathway to actually helping the horse feel better, not just um, making it obedient. So um, 
unfortunately with the obedience style of training is, 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 is the gremlins all come out, all the bad feelings that were put in there will come out and they've got to come out with someone and, it's, and, and you're the one that's got the horse. So basically a lot of that sort of training unwinds and, and, and you know, unless you're the trainer that keeps them suppressed and semi-shut down and authoritarian sort of type um, structure, then the horse is going to sort of slowly unwind. And some people might say, oh, it's because you're not working your horse enough at spring feed, they just need wet saddle blankets. Well, no, no, soft horses don't have all the spring feed problems as much as a horse that's carrying anxiety and they've had a spell over winter or whatever. They come in and they don't take as much to get going again. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really important to work on that. So, so, yes, there is a lot of hope and you restructuring the way you're working the horse will will start to show your horse um, new pathways. Now, unfortunately, um, because it's not raw, the thing that's going to be the hardest is the memory of pressure and the memory of drive because that type of program is, is probably one of the strongest drive-based programs I, I know of, I think. Yeah, there's probably more, but it's a lot of, you know, drive in it. So, um, you know, moving away from the energy of whether it be sticks or people and things like that. So what what the hardest thing is, is you're going to have to do is get the horse to think under pressure and not feel that the pressure is um, uh, personal and towards them. Um, so, so you know, recently I had some Welshies at a clinic in, in Victoria that I've helped over, over a series of clinics. And by the third clinic, we finally got the mare in the arena environment to go, I'm okay with pressure and I'm soft now and I can learn. But we were only undoing the break-in process or the starting process because they had a lot of drive and draw. And so so we, we but when we undid all that, the beautiful soft horse was still under there, but she was just a super alert horse and a sensitive horse, but um, obviously was, was damaged just by, by the starting process. So now that she's she's um, trusts us and trusts pressure, She's, she's willing to, to, to be more connected and, and in a new environment she, she settles down a lot quicker and she's, she's really good. So um, there is a lot of hope. So the biggest thing is I think what's going to have to change is you're going to have to add pressure. You can't just go quiet and do the quietly, quietly with them because um, quietly, quietly still means that as soon as there's pressure, they still go, oh, pressure, I know what to do. And they'll go back to that memory because it's so fear-based and they were protecting themselves so much from it, from pressure and energy by escaping from it that they, um, they'll, as soon as there's more pressure that's coming around the area of you, then they'll see it as personal. So if you just went quietly, quietly and got them sort of, you know, fairly soft, as soon as there's a big thing happen, I think they'll still go back into that memory because those memories don't go. You have to reprogram them a bit. So what I'd say is you have to do little experiments with them to say, here's a bit of worry, like even if you shook a flag in the air and stepped in a certain way. So if they if they were shutting down, if you, if they thought you standing still waving a flag in the air was the, the desensitising part of it, because as I say, there's a lot of desensitising in it where the horse kind of stands and just ends up freezing over. Um, I would say, here's a flag, move your feet. And I'd move the, the horse forward a little, even towards me and the flag, just to say, you know, it might panic a little bit, but you only do it as enough to get it sort of thinking and then step it forward. And uh, so then if the horse suddenly, you know, was running off to the side and around you thinking, oh, I've got to get around you, I've got to get out around, then um, I would um, have that little bit of pressure and I'd say, no, stop, step forward towards me or towards the field and, uh, and, and, and redirect that anything where you think the horse is escaping from the energy or pressure, 
that those things are creating, you redirect it into leading or something like that and so the horse doesn't think it's escaping. The other thing you're going to have to do a lot of, which I found with horses that have done those styles of programs, is, um, <clears throat> is, is you've got to get the horse to walk past you softly and, and you, you, do the, uh, you do a test with them and it's a bubble test. Um, I, jo I jokingly calls it the sleaze test and it's almost like, you know, when someone walks into your bubble who's like, oh, hello, and, and you're really close to you, you're like, oh, crikey, that's too close. Um, so with a horse, you walk backwards and then all of a sudden you stop your feet and keep your hand moving so the horse is going to pass you with its eye and you'll find most of those horses will swing their hip out quite quickly going, oh, crikey, I'm getting into your bubble and, and this is like two bubbles colliding. So, so, so something I do a lot of is walking backwards with the horse, just walking softly and then stop my feet and get the horse to take two or three steps forward off to one side a little bit without moving his hip out until the horse can walk all the way past you without moving its hip out and, and being frightened of that. Um, those things are going to help your horse realise it can come past you and it doesn't have to deflect off you all the time. So cause just remember that style of work is the person steps into the horse with energy, the horse moves away, then the horse stands still while we crawl around it. Whereas when you get the horse moving and you stand still, so um, another way of explaining is you put your hobbles on and see if you can keep your horse moving around you but you don't do a lot of moving. The only moving you can do is pivot a little bit or step away every now and again. But basically you try and get the, to handle the whole horse without moving, as in the horse has to move into all those positions. And that's a really good lesson, very difficult for the really traumatized ones, but very, very um, productive in the sense of getting them to trust us and be ready to you know step up beside a mounting block so we can just get on and ride off. Yeah, and I've seen that lesson that Mark's talking about, um, you know, in, in all its sort of, uh, various degrees of, of thoroughness getting a horse to move around you some horses there'll be a part on it which it really struggles to get past your body with in a certain spot especially in close quarters um, I've seen the relationship with the person completely flip once that's done you know it's a really good pivotal lesson to do so Angelica what I think we'll do is we'll put some comments in the Q&A on that Facebook group um, with links to some videos that we think will really help you for places to go on with. Um, and so, you know, hopefully you've got a bit of structure to sort of uh, work off. Okay, so we'll go on Mark to the next lesson, uh, next question, which is from Christine. And it's about leading. We know it's one of your favorite topics. She's got a young horse and she's wondering how long does it take for her for a horse to be consistent with their leading some days she's finding he does great and some days it's like they're starting over <laughs> how long is a piece of string is always the answer to those questions um so it depends on the horse i have some horses that are just seem to be born with a bit more head brace and 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 resistance than others and it comes in the more stoic sort of well i say stoic and you know it, it just they, the horses that can put up with pressure and not, not change, where there's very sensitive horses that learn to lead very quickly and they find out the path of least resistance very easily. Um, so the, the ones that can go, oh, yeah, I can lean against that or I can cope with going into the horses every day, getting bitten and chased off and do it every day without bothering, then those horses are going to be a bit more resilient and resistant uh, to certain things. Uh, so they'll seem like they take a bit longer, but basically what you have to do is be a be in the habit that you're not doing a leading lesson everything is about leading 
for a while. So, you know, you've got, it's so hard. And even myself, I've still got to chip myself and say, I could have picked up the rope before I moved my feet just then, and that would have helped the horse. You know, it's so easy just to get caught up in our own mind, walking somewhere, doing something with the horse, and then we do a leading lesson, and then we sort of forget about it a bit. So I think what's really important is um, every time you put that halter on the horse, you the, the halter becomes the primary uh, source of information, I suppose, for a while. So because they'll, they'll, you'll you walk away, they'll follow you, but then you walk 100 metres and you realise, oh, they just were following me. I didn't get them to lead up. I didn't get them to follow the field. So basically the rope is more important than you. The rope has first say and last say. So if you treat it like that, then you will be using the rope a lot more and your body a lot less. So if you want to turn around and back your horse up, if you say, instead of turning around and moving and then picking up the lead, you'll pick up the lead first, the horse engages with the backup, then you follow it. If you pick up the lead to go forward, you pick up the lead, the horse engages with it, starts to soften and move its thoughts and feet with the lead. Soon as that happens, then you follow the field. Now you can still be in front of your horse and follow the feel of your horse. It sounds a bit weird, but you ask the horse to lead, it starts to engage and move. As soon as you see that happen, then you walk off. Okay, so you've actually, the horse is led first and then you've joined the movement and then you're walking a, walking ahead. You're still leading out ahead. It's just that the horse listened to the lead rope for that movement first. And if you make a habit of doing that, and every now and again, you might, you know, create a little bit of anxiety where the horse has to step back into the lead until it doesn't step back, it just comes forward, then they'll get a lot better. But it has to become you, uh, the whole the whole thing has to become you, not just a lesson that you do, that suddenly um, you have to keep reminding your horse. And and then as, as over time, you'll start to get into a habit that you'll be really good at helping the young ones lead because you'll be saying, oh, don't listen to me. I don't know anything. Listen to the rope. It knows everything. Okay. And then the horse will be watching or feeling for the rope, not watching for what it's got to do from what, what you just did or your, what your body language just did. Okay. Staying with the lead rope, slightly different question from Tanya. She's got a two-year-old and they do the forward and going back exercise, but he likes to grab the lead as close to the knot as possible and then shuts his mouth tight and you won't let go of it. Uh, she's trying to distract him to let it go. But it's like, she, and she uses this words, it's like he goes in himself and won't let go just so I have to wait. Is there something else I could be doing? Um, it's an interesting, that happens a little bit, that, that where they sort of, now there is one thing that I'm going to get you to think about when you're doing that leading. Did he really soften in the lead rope and get let go of some of those thoughts? When a horse has a proper change in, in you know, emotional, mental change, um, when we're doing a leading lesson, they let go of some things that they need to let go of, whether it be a bit of a destination thought or whatever, uh, they're shutting out a bit and they soften and then they stand there at peace. And then when you hang the rope, they'll stand better without nibbling and fidgeting. Um, so I feel that maybe there's a bit of brace still in there as well, uh, which I think you'd want to look into, probe into a bit more and maybe, you know, get the horse thinking and a lot softer, um, maybe sometimes firm up a little bit to get a little bit more, um, you know, energy in that movement as you're leading and things like that and, and, and get them lifting up and supple. And then when the horse is feeling really soft, just gently 
place the rope, don't drop it, just gently place it. Um, so, so or actually before you let go of the rope, keep holding the knot and just loosen the knot, but keep your hand there and just keep your hand there so the horse just centers. You don't just take your hand away and it goes, oh, I'm gonna play with the rope now. So you keep your hand there as if the lesson stopped, but your hand hasn't moved. Um, and then as soon as that horse goes to kind of come in and nibble, you can go back to a little yield again until the horse softens and then and then you keep your hand there. And then when the horse is at peace and you see the mind centered, you just take your hand away quietly, do something else. You might brush it or, you know, whatever, go to something else. But I have a feeling that there's still a little bit of, um, you know, the horse is not quite engaging with it. Um, but before they get to touching the rope, you can distract them. How you do that, you know, I think you said in the question, the flag has, you've tried the flag, but it's sort of not working or was that another, it might've been another question anyway, but so there is the, the opportunity of possibly popping a flag or something or saying, hey, let go of that thought, distracting them off the rope. It's like a bit chewer. Sometimes you'll be on a chaucer just chewing the bit for no reason because the anxiety is building and you just put your finger on it and just scratch it a little bit in a uh, you know, firm scratch somewhere and then it goes, oh, and you'll see it distract off that and just stop chewing and then relax a little bit. So, so you can just do something to distract your horse off it um, so it doesn't become just a bit of a habit. Um, but it's usually telling you that they're still uncomfortable with it and they don't find comfort in, in something like that until you've they they started to get soft and really understand it. So there's always a teething process in, in, in leading that the horse is still going, oh, that means I have to do something and I, I'm a bit bracy when I'm leading and I feel out of balance and, you know, it's it just seems like a wrestle. So sometimes when I feel a bit of brace too, when I'm working, I'll have a flag above the horse and when I hit, feel the horse zone out a little or I'll, I'll, I'll actually incorporate the flag and give a little shake so the horse goes, oh, oh I'm back here and then the lead leads them to a soft place and then you stop. But, but yeah, it, it, it will disappear as the horse gets better. Um, and yeah, rewarding it for being soft usually will have less less biting, but you can distract it. There's some, there's some ideas for you to, to work with there, Tanya, I think. And yeah, she was using distraction, but I don't know if it was with the flag mark. Okay, last question for today comes from Jenny and she says, is it possible for a horse to be higher at the wither when you release the forehand? Yes, it is. So um, when they've got brace in the forehand and they're, they're you know, some horses, actually there's a, there's a horse that I've, I've helped a, a couple of times at a clinic and, and he's a big, solid sort of quarter horse built up a loose and, um, and we did some lessons and the owner said he's different now. He stands in the stable differently as in, he was standing more upright looking around and he wasn't just sort of hunched over sort of just sort of in his in his kind of bit of a shut out shut down state so and, and she said i've never seen him stand in the stable like that this was a stable at the clinic he's 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 more alert and he's and he's different um so yes what happens is a horse sort of to, to in order to um to pick up their their wither and relax when they relax in the base of the neck and they start to lift um they have to um, rebalance and become lighter in the front feet. So to do that, they have to actually come a bit further over their hindquarter um, and then they'll get light in all four feet, which means they'll they'll just, instead of just standing sort of heavy with dropped in the wither like that, they'll, they'll stand up and, and um, be a lot more balanced and, and softer and also more alert too, which is good. Um, so yes, they will lift when you let go of that sort of brace in there. And then 
they'll start to, you know, get a nice even back up and the hindquarter will work better. The hindquarter yields, the forequarter yields will all get better because the horse is standing more balanced, the, live, the width is higher. Um, and yeah, they just become a lot happier. Very good. Thank you very much. And thank you for your questions, everybody. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Mark, thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.